dear couple to my and Valerie's heart are our guests today upon my invitation, Tim and Melissa Kelly, who we've known perhaps as long as we've served here and vice versa. I've had wonderful fellowship with Pastor Tim because we have with his wife, Melissa. They've pastored one church for 28 years in the Macon area. What I know about Tim Kelly is that he loves the Lord and he loves the Word of God and the people of God. He's coming now to bring the Word of God and as he comes, would you give him a wonderful welcome to South Metro Ministries. Go ahead and applaud his ministry. I have known Pastor, believe it or not, I've known him so long, I remember when he was tall. <laughs> oh, we love these guys. We have served on, uh, Lord, about every board there is to serve on together to the point that we both become bored. Uh, a lot of hours, a lot of hours, and it's so good to... Uh, and we received the invitation. Well, we had a move of God in the morning service. And I'm telling you in advance, because uh, I want to give you time to run. If you came into this place today, and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you better get ready to or run, because I'm coming after you. Amen. you're broken today I'm coming after you before this service even began we've already asked that the Holy Spirit would send angels to stand at every exit that you can run but you can't hide look at your neighbor and say he's really after you today amen take your Bible and turn with me if you will this morning to Psalm 68, and if you'll remain standing for the reading of the word. I told him this morning in the early service I would do my best not to have my message this morning viewed as a Texas Longhorn steer. You know what it is. It's a point over here and a point over there and a lot of bull in the middle. A good friend of mine, the pastor of a large black Baptist church in Macon, was telling us one day that he went his first church, applied for it and got the job. And He said he went back for his first service and that morning he preached and the mother sat over to the left and the deacon sat over to the right. And After service he went to the back to shake hands and he said there was this little mother of the church, real short, bent over, had her white dress on. She come by and she grabbed his hand and she patted it. And she hugged it and she said, ooh, ooh, we got us something else. Next Sunday, he said she did the same thing, same words. He said, told his wife, if she says that one more time to me, I'm going to stop and just ask her what she's talking about. And sure enough, she comes Oh, honey, oh, Lord, said, mm, you're something else. He said, hold on right there. I want to know what you mean by that when you say that. She goes, oh, Lord, you're something else because you sure ain't no preacher. So I'm not going to the back door after service. Amen. Look with me, if you will, to Psalm 68. Now, as you can tell, my voice is pretty raspy. It's kind of like that most of the time. And as we travel around from church to church, weekend to weekend, I have discovered somebody put me on to this, and it's a little vitamin C drop. And while I've been preaching at all these various churches, I've been doing a kind of a, a study. And I've got one kind 
that I'll slip in, I can slip in my mouth and this one lasts while I'm preaching 34 minutes. It don't last 38. It don't last 26. No. But I got another one. If I put it in my mouth, it lasts 64 minutes. Which one you want me to use this morning? Y'all ain't spiritual. <laughs> Amen. Well, I got them confused. We'll just see how it works out. Look with me, if you will, Psalms 68. This morning, I want to talk to you concerning the Savior of the Psalms, the Savior of the Psalms. Verse 18, David tells us that you ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. And I want you to underscore that phrase. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the next few moments that you have given me the privilege. And I am humbled to be able to stand behind this sacred desk. Anoint my words, Lord, that they would not be idle words, but they would be words that come straight from the throne straight to our hearts and pierce our hearts. Speak to us today. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. And let the church shout amen. Would you turn to two or three people and give them a high five? I didn't say slap them. I just said give them. Amen. I guess years of habit speaking to the same congregation as pastor has mentioned for over 28 years, and if you'll pardon me, but I have a habit, and that's asking people to write things down. It's not that I have anything profound to say, but maybe just sometime in your future, you might be looking back through your Bible and look over something that I ask you to jot down, and it may give you encouragement, and it may help you along life's way, and that's our desire this morning. When we look at the book of Psalms, we quickly discover that it is uh, multiple things. It's a psalm, a book of praise. When we go back and read the praises that David would make melody upon his heart and sing praises unto the Lord, many of those praises are recorded. It is a psalm of prayer and petition. It's also a, a, a psalm of Pardon. How many of you enjoy what it feels like to be pardoned every once in a while? That means that you did something wrong, you acknowledge it, but you found favor. Anybody like that? I guarantee you every time I see those blue lights, I enjoy pardon to the fullest. When we get into the scripture this morning, I know that we could focus on the praise and the prayer and the petitions and the pardon. But in this particular Psalm, Psalm 68, I want us to notice that it speaks and has prophetic references to it. But also with its prophetic references, it also has what I want to call practical reality. And I shared with the congregation this morning in the early service, uh, what I mean by that is, is the word of God we take and we understand that it's theological. We, that is where we get our doctrine. And how many knows that it's good to, to be theolo theologically sound and have sound doctrine? But every once in a while, I need something that surpasses doctrine. I need something that passes, surpasses theology. I need something practical in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some people just still believe that the only, uh, only language or translation is the King James. Do you pray like that? Thou, this, 
No, it's not practical to us today. That, that's why some of our students, man, when we start throwing that King James out there, it loses them because it loses the practicality and the relational to them and the Word of God. This morning, I want us to look at it for just a few while, a little while this morning on the Savior of the Psalm. And when we look at this, I want us to see how David begins to pour out in front of us something that is practical, that when he really caught a vision of what happened when Christ ascended unto heaven. And we're going to look at this this morning. Write this down with me, if you will, please. Number one. The first thing David said I want you to get is I want you to get this. He said, I want you to get the fact that Jesus rose up. Jesus rose up. He said there is an ascension. You look there in the beginning of verse 18, and it tells us, Thou hast ascended on high. Well, that leads me to believe that in order for something to ascend, something must be on a lower level. And do you know that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us? He came from the, the portals of heaven and he came wrapped in swaddling clothes. And what did he do? He lived among us. He saw our disconnects. He saw our dysfunctions. Anybody know anybody that's dysfunctional? Man, I tell you what, sometimes my family puts the, dis, the, the funk in dysfunctional. You know what I mean? You know anybody like that? Sure we do. Please don't point right now. Sure we do. We see, we see families that are dysfunctional. And Jesus saw all of this. Jesus ministered among this type of setting. When we begin to look at the scripture, we'll find also in Ephesians 4, jot this down. When he talks about the ascension, the ascension we're going to see that there is an ascending on high. I want you to know, jot this down for me, the word, uh, write this down, a likeness based on relationship or connection, a likeness based on relationship or connection, affinity, affinity, jot that word down because that's what Christ has with us today. It means that he has a, he is relative to us. Do you have any relatives around here this morning? If you do, kind of look at me like this and wave. You got some relatives. How many of you got some people in your, in your family tree you wish wasn't in your family tree? Come on. You know the crazy uncle that always shows up at the family reunion even though you changed the location four or five times? They're always going to find their way. Listen, Christ walked among us and he beheld all of the dysfunction that humanity and the depravity that humanity could put out there. And I've got good news for us today. It doesn't make any difference how deplorable that mankind becomes. There is a Christ and he is named Christ Jesus, the only begotten son of the father. And he has ascended because he has had in him, he has felt. Do you know that's what exactly what the little lady with the issue of blood, that's a beautiful picture when she said, "I, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, and if I could just touch the clothes that he's wearing, I know I'll be made whole. Let me tell you something. What she figured out, that Christ had an affinity with her, and if she could just touch him, she would be made whole. God, if we can just touch you today, we will be made whole. Come on, give him praise. He's relative. Look at your neighbor and say he's relative. Now notice this. Because there was an ascension. He says to us today, I want to do something for you. Have you ever had anybody to just come and say, I want to do something for you? Isn't that a wonderful feeling? When you know they have no hidden agenda, it don't happen very often, does it? You're kind of backing up to a wall and going, okay. This one's going to cost me. But you know something? When Christ said he, what he was going to do for us, Christ said, don't worry about it. 
It's all on me. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched it, Jesus stood still. And he turned around and he looked at his disciples and said, who touched me? And they said, there's people all around. Anyone could have touched you. He said, no siree. Somebody just touched me because I felt virtue flow out of my body. And she was made whole. Come on, give him praise. So, jot this down. First of all. When he rose up, number one, he reversed some stuff. He reversed some stuff. Now, to everybody here that has this stigma about you, that everything that happens is always somebody else's fault. There's some things that come in our life that happen because of bad choices. Please don't look to your right or left. I'll tell you when to look. Don't stare at your mate. Understand, some things happen in our life because of bad choices. But other times things happen because it's called life. It just happens. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. But the difference between us and the unjust is we have somebody in our corner that is relative to us, that understands how bad it hurts, who understands that we don't know what to do or what to say, and he rushes in on mighty wings of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us what we need in that moment of time. Come on, put your hands together and give him praise. So he reversed some stuff. Look at verse 18. He ascended on high. And he led captivity captive. Now, like I said, we could get into theology and doctrine, but I want something practical this morning. David, what was you telling to me that Christ did when he ascended on high and he reversed some stuff? He led captivity free because, listen, there were people like you and me that were handcuffed to habits. Our secret sins. Mm. That nobody knows about. You see, there's a lot of things that can be wrong in a person's life that don't have to be visual. I couldn't get some of you to go out and rob a bank tomorrow morning and bring it back to give it all to pastor. I couldn't talk you into doing that. Why? Because that's not in your character. And it's something that would not be hidden. But the same person that wouldn't go out and rob a bank will sit in church Sunday after Sunday with unforgiveness of their heart, in their heart. Bitterness in their heart because they didn't get what they want, wanted in the way that they wanted. Did anybody hear me this morning? Or am I just preaching to the walls? And they can sit there and they've never done a crime that should be, uh, where they should be taken to prison or jailed but every service, they're so bitter. There's so many things in their life that's going haywire. They wonder why nobody wants to be around them. Nobody wants to fellowship with them. It's because of the hidden sin in their life. Listen, you've got to forgive people. I don't care what they've done to us. We have to forgive. Am I preaching at the right church this morning? Now, I listen, I understand I want to take, take some people out, out behind the barn and do what I want to do to them. Amen. 
I was one of his pastors in the making. We had a guy that was known in our town for church hopping. I mean, he was here and there. Whenever he'd get mad, he'd hop over here and hop over there. And I got news that he was going to be a, a visiting or attending our church that morning. And I was sitting in there in my office, and I got to thinking. And it's dangerous when I get, got I have time to think. The more I thought about this guy tearing up churches all over Macon and coming to ours, the matter I got, I sit there in my office, my, my, my blood pressure went up, and I called a friend of mine, it was the last church he attended, and I said, who told me that he would be attending, I called him and I said, what does he drive? He said, well, he drives a blue Ford pickup. I said, okay. He said, Tim. I said, see ya. And I stood there at the, in the foyer. I ain't telling you this is right. I'm not telling you suggesting anything. I'm just telling you where it went down. I saw an unfamiliar blue truck pull into the driveway and park. Single occupant. It, he matched the MO. And I went out there to his car or his truck. And as he started to open the door, I grabbed the handle. And I opened that door and I grabbed him by the, what my dad would call the nap of the neck. Some of you younger kids won't know what that is. But it's right here. And I grabbed him and I just pushed him back down in his seat. And I told him, I said, listen, you've tore up half the churches in Macon. And I'll be dog if I'm gonna stand here and let you, us be another victim. I said, if I catch you out here again, I'm going to find you somewhere where nobody can witness and I'm going to just fill in the blank. I told him, why? So, well, Pastor, how did you do that? I did it. And somewhere between the truck and the pulpit, God gave me victory over it and preached the best message I'd ever preached that Sunday morning. Come on. But sometimes, sometimes we have to deal with things. Now I want you to notice here. He received some stuff. He, received, he reversed some stuff, I should say. Now if you'll get a, a mental picture of this. I, I told the first crowd this morning, I said, hey, um, a buddy of mine, they have a, a working ranch there in South Bibb County and um, 600 head of cows and uh, 25 or 30 uh, horses and I get an opportunity. It's not really work for me. I just enjoy going down there and helping them with the cows from time to time. And it's amazing what I've learned uh, working those cows. How many of you know what I'm talking about with a lasso? I, I had one at home. I should have brought it. Um, it's the only lasso that I've ever owned. It's, I've only used it one time, and it liked to kill me. I went with a guy, same family, went with a friend of mine that... Um, Rope cattle, you know, they shoot out of the gate and the horse shoots out and they wrestle and they down and they do it for a time. And I told that, that guy, I said, hey, I can do that. He said, you ain't getting on that horse. I said, I can do it. Give me a lasso. He said, oh, this is not good. I said, give it to me. I can handle it. I had no idea where it was going. I got on that horse. And I had watched them for about an hour, and I had the posture. I had it ready. And, man, all of a sudden, that bell rang, and that rope come down, and that calf took off, and that horse took off in first gear, and I caught him in second gear. I was, I was able to get back and grab the horn, and I'd, I'd start like, I was doing like I saw in westerns, 
Man, I started throwing that thing over like this and I threw it. And when I threw it, I caught it. But then I didn't, nobody told me what else to do. And you were, I was supposed to take it and wrap it around and tie it on the horn, but nobody told me. And that thing yanked me off of that horse, pulled me around that corral, and every time somebody would get near me, it's like you'd turn around and go, oh, oh I ain't finished. <laughs> Listen, get that lasso in your mind. I want you to think about captivity for a moment. How many has ever been in captivity? How many, and I start saying, who's ever, how many has been incarcerated? I don't want to ruin your reputation. <laughs> but, but you know what it is. Captivity. Captivity is the condition of being trapped or confined. When you're in prison or enslaved, you're captive. You, you are taken hold of. You are seized. And I want you to see this from the spiritual viewpoint. David said, all of those who have fallen short of God's expectations, all of those who have sinned, they're, they're in captivity. And David said, but what I saw Jesus do, nobody else could do. He took that spiritual lasso and he not only went in and, and grabbed those and their addictions and all of the sins of their life and pulled them out, but he threw the lasso and he wrapped around the captivity and he led it captive. And that's why I don't have to stay in sin because Jesus did that for me and he did it for you. Now, he not only reversed things. Some of you here this morning need things in your life reversed. Who does it? Think about it. Think about some of the dumb mistakes we've made in life. Dumb. Even look at it ourselves and go, dumb. Dumb and dumber. But he said, if you'll have confidence in the fact that I have captured your captivity, you don't have to be bound anymore. But, but, but as long as you see the sale of sin, that place of capture, and you keep going back in, and back out. It's like the little lady that was praying for a young man that revival was going on and he showed up at church just about every revival pastor and he got saved every revival. Yeah, he'd come. You know, if you were an evangelist, you knew you were going to get one convert. One good statistic for that revival every time he would. And he'd, then he'd come down a few nights later and he's praying for the Holy Ghost and this little granny of the church came up and knelt beside him and he was crying and praying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And the little granny's kneeling beside him and saying, don't do it, God. Don't do it. He leaks. Don't fill him. He leaks. You leak sometimes. When you, when you allow yourself to fall back into that captivity that he has already captured. Listen, he reversed some stuff and then he received some stuff. The word says that he received gifts. Look, look at it with me. He received gifts. What a wonderful thing. I told the Audience this morning, what a great thing it is to receive gifts. And we're almost to Christmas. I live at 6679 Chriswood Drive, Macon, Georgia, 31216. You can send your presents to me there. 
I, I started to tell you, well, I'll go ahead. I, I weigh a, I have a, I'm not going to tell you what I weigh, but I wear a 40 waist. And I've come to the conclusion that my life is destined. I'm destined to have a 40 waist worn on a 45 degree angle. Some of that, some of you will get that going home and it'll bless you. We love gifts. Everybody does. If, if, uh, Trey, I want to say Tommy. I've known these two since they were born. Long time. Hey, I'm not old. I just got high mileage. You hear me? Just high mileage. <laughs> and I, listen, I, I want you to understand. Trey, I, I remember, I got some stories to tell you about your dad, you need, but it'll cost you. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really care for young men like that that can wear skinny jeans. <laughs> I, I don't understand how the anointing even hits them. I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand the anointing at all in my life until I hit waist 38 size. And these boys run. We love to receive gifts. It's a part of us. How many has a grandchild? Come on, how many of you, you'll agree? If you could have had them first, you'd have never had children. My son is 30 years old. My, my daughter is 23. If my daughter had been first, we wouldn't have had a son. That girl warped our life. But I got a granddaughter now. She's three and a half years old, which she does not like. That's what our major meltdown was last week. Some reason. She became very angry at the number three. We got an Instagram from our daughter-in-law with our only grandchild sitting in the middle of the bed screaming and crying because she was not going to be three anymore. She don't like the number three. She likes the number four. So you know what? She's four now. She was with us. I have the privilege. I've got some great minister friends in Macon. And Macon has some just mega black churches, black works, great ministries. And I, I, I get invitations and I'm honored. And, and you know, sometimes I, I wonder, you know, a white guy getting so many invitations. Black church. It's like one little lady told me, one little mother, one, she grabbed me after church and she said, whispered it in my ear. She said, you ain't all white. <laughs> she said, you don't preach like no white man. She said, and your hair's curly. <laughs> no, she didn't. She said, kinky. All right, all right. That's what she said. And my son and daughter and our daughter-in-law and our grandchild, my mother and my sister, all of them got to go last weekend and was preaching there in one of them. And I'm just preaching away. I mean, they're, they're standing all over the place. They're, they're, they're pulling me, man. They're pulling every bit of preach I've got out of me. And my granddaughter did not really sense the greatness of the message that her papa was preaching. So she went into Mimi's purse and got a piece of paper from a notebook that her Mimi must have stolen from the, I gotta get my glass, Holiday Inn Express. 
She must have stolen it. And my, my granddaughter started drawing. And I, and I shared this with the, the early crowd. You know, we might would say this morning, what do I have so great that I could give God who has everything? I mean, we could give him our talent and you have some of the most wonderful talented people on this planet. Would you give them a big round of applause for their work and their service and their worship? But let me tell you something. Worship that really don't get his motor running. I'm talking about God. All of my great prayers, not really. But it's when I bring him my heart. That's when it touches his heart. You see, I got a, I got a little picture here on this Holiday Inn Express that my wife stole. And my, and my granddaughter, Elise, was under the inspiration to draw while her papa was preaching. And she drawed me a beautiful picture of flowers all around. You say, well, now, Pastor... That means nothing to you. Well, it must. I'm not talking about a Michelangelo this morning. I'm talking about something that a four-year-old did. In the middle of a worship service, she drew and gave to me. What are you trying to say? Quit trying to get all of your best efforts before you bring them to the Lord and offer them to him for a gift. All he wants is your heart. And when he gets your heart, he'll have everything else. That's not for sale. It's mine. And if I can keep my wife from stealing, he's a giver. We'll never outgive him. Well, I don't deserve to be saved. You're right. None of us. There's nothing I could do to deserve the gifts, David says. He gives gifts. I wondered about this. I told you that in First, first Corinthians. When the Apostle Paul was giving out gifts, speaking of gifts that would be given to the church for the management and structure of the church. When he late, went later was talking about the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit that would be given to make us better people. He tells us that we are connected, we are related to Christ through his shed blood who is a giver. Yes. Oh yeah. Psalm 49. He gives blessings from the highest heavens, the psalmist said, to the deepest sea. First Chronicles chapter 22 and 12. He gives us understanding just because he's a good God. In Job 35 and 10, he gives us a song in the night because joy comes in the morning. In Ecclesiastes 2 and 26, he gives me wisdom. He gives us knowledge and he gives us happiness. In Isaiah 61 and 3, to all who mourn, he said, I give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. In, in Psalm 16 and 7, he gives good advice. Psalms 20 and 4, he gives me the desire of my heart and he gives me the ability to walk out my plan. In Psalms 107 and 9, he gives all who are thirsty plenty of water to drink. In Psalms 133 and 3, he gives life that never, never ends. In, in, in Matthew 7 and 11, he gives good gifts to his children. How many knows I like good gifts and you like good gifts? Aren't you glad that's what he does for us? Musicians come.
Matthew 16. He gives to us, the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. He drops those keys into the hands of the righteous. James 4 and 6, he gives grace to those who need it. Listen to me. There's no way that this 54-year-old man would ever come to a pulpit and preach down to an individual. It's not my place. It's not our, my purpose. If I do anything today, I want to point you up. When David said, for you ascended on high. Listen, your help, I feel so impressed to tell somebody this. In this place, You're looking, you're hurting, your hurt is valid. You're searching, but you're searching at the wrong places. Because after you have expended yourself and you've wasted your energies, you're going to feel more empty and alone. than you've ever been. I'm talking to a person who's gone or is going through divorce. And pastor, I've heard it, I've heard it called this over and over again. It's not a divorce. It's the death of divorce. Do you know how much it would hurt to love somebody so much and them not love you back. Some of you do. Some of you pleaded with your spouse, don't leave me and the babies. Stay and we can work it out. Oh, but to hear your plea rebuttaled. I'm sorry. I don't love you anymore. Gosh. What could that do to the self-worth of an individual? Listen. Most people around us can get pretty bad at times, but we give them a pass. But to have somebody say, I see your love and I hear what you're saying, but I just don't love you anymore. Can I tell you this morning, may I suggest to you today, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and you say no to him today, it is the same thing. He's saying, I love you. I can make this work for you, Jesus is saying. How we must wound his heart when we say, I just am not ready to love that way. I know this is totally two different services. Listen, I don't want you to leave broken today. Jesus goes to Jacob's well in John 4. And he's leaning against the well. And this Samaritan woman comes the sixth hour of the day to draw water. And he said, if you wouldn't mind, would you draw me some water? She said, hey, 
hey, let's just, let's just take care of this. You shouldn't even be talking to me. She was confused about relationships and she was confused about religion. She said, I know who you are. You're a Jew. And I'm a Gentile. You say in Jerusalem is where you're to worship. But my folks, my homies tell me it's in the mountain. Jesus said, there's coming a time. And now is that time that neither will you worship in the mountain or Jerusalem. But you'll worship in spirit. He's about to break all of her ideology of relationship and religion. He said, by the way, those five husbands you had and the one you're living with, if I was in Macon, I'd say shacking up with. He, he's not your husband either. She said, you don't even have a, a bucket to let down. He said, he said, if you only, if you only knew who you were talking to and drink of this water that I want to give you, you will never thirst again. Would you stand with me all over the congregational area this morning? There's some thirsty people here today. But you have needs in your life. And just let me say this. If you had the ability to fix it, you would have fixed it. You wouldn't put yourself through the things that you've put yourself through. But he has you here for such a time as this. I, I don't believe there's any accident in the here and the now. I believe I am standing in the perfect will of God speaking to you this morning and you hearing the word. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed and no one's looking around. If you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I am really, really going through some hardship. Oh, I wish I had time to preach the rest of this message. He not only rose up, but then secondly, he reigned on. He reigned, the psalmist said. You load us down daily with benefits. The daily needs of our life, he says, that's the connection. That's how close I want to be to you. There's nobody is looking around and you're not indulging on anybody around you's private moment, personal moment. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor, look, Here's, here's where I'm at. I got some stuff going on my, in my life. And it would be great this morning if he, would, if he would reverse some stuff. If I could find some favor with him to, this morning. And if I could receive some stuff in my life. That I, that I need to somehow navigate this part of my life. I'm hurting and I need some help, and I'm not ashamed of it. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? I'm not going to ask you to hold it up for a moment. Wow, wow. All over this building, in every section, from the front to the back. If you're here this morning, I feel His presence. And you said, I've tried to make a go at this thing called religion. And I've really blown it. 
I've messed it up. But I want to try again. I want him to rise up in my life today. I want him to become Lord of my life again. I want to give him not trinkets of my gratitude, but I want to give him my heart. Would you just slip your hand up also? Yes. Wow. Wow, Pastor. The Holy Spirit is moving up and down every aisle, up and down every row here this morning. Here's what I want to do. Some have already begun to respond. There's going to be altar workers that are going to help. But I, if, if possible, I want to be able to lay my hand on every person. That's the least that I could do. And pray for you. If you would step out. Don't listen. I'm going to count to three. I don't want any person moving to the aisles until I get to that number three. Well, that's silly. Well, maybe so. But 34 years ago, when he called me into ministry as a, a junior in high school, I said, God, I don't know what kind of preacher you'll make me, but God, help me to connect with people. That's, that's all. That's all I desire out of ministry. I want to connect. I don't want anybody to leave with service and say, Tim, didn't connect with where I was at. And God, 34 years ago, I asked you to do something for me that would carry over the next 34 years of my life. That when I would count to three, and speak that number three. That every shackle, every bondage, pride, haughtiness, that every shackle would be broken instantaneously. And I speak that number three, and your people would have a liberty and a courage to step out and make their way to you. Father, grant it again this morning. One, two, three. Come. If you raise your hand, come on. They're coming all over the building. Come on. Come on. Experience that liberty that you just felt, felt in your heart. The drawing of that spirit. Come on. Because I'm going through some issues, Pastor. Come on. I need a touch in my life. I'm struggling spiritually. Come on. Come as close as you can get to this stage. Come on, work your way in. Come on, all over the building. Don't let Satan trick you. Don't let him talk you out of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Because Listen, you were for saying as they sing, I want everybody in this audience that knows what it's like you to feel the relief of the burden of sin lifted in your life. Spirit I want you to come and help me pray me with these. Come on. All over this place. All over this place. Again. I pray it would be 100%. All over this place. I'm gonna 
God, I pray right now for Karen. I pray, Lord, that you would reach down in her life right now. You know the severity of her hurt. I need you, Lord, to reverse. I need your attention. I need your attention. There's a, there's a spirit, and I'm very careful when I say this, but I'm, I'm talking to somebody, whether it be through internet, live streaming, or in this building. There is a spirit that's attaching itself to you, and it's a spirit that wants you to take your life. It's the spirit of suicide because the devil keeps telling you it's, it's never going to get better. It's never going to get fixed. Would this church lift their hands to heaven with me? And can we break and can we speak against that spirit? Come on right now and come on. It's time to do warfare. Right now in Jesus' name. God, the Karens of this life God, it feels like there's no way out. There's no happy days ahead of them. I break that spirit, the foul spirit of infirmity, and I curse it in the name of Jesus. And where it was, I speak life. I speak liberty in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. They're going to continue to sing, and we're going to pray for these. Those of you that are in the audience area, would you just stretch your hands toward this altar? And would you help me pray for these, Father? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because
just say amen to him this right now word. Right now word. Would you give the servant of the Lord a God bless you applause. Thank you. I believe that everyone who came forward has been blessed. Oh, how good it is. Now, Melissa, I know he's praying with someone, but he said to us more than four times that you stole that notepad from the hotel. But I think he stole the shampoo and the conditioner and the soap. He did that. I hope you have a great day, the greatest day of your life because of Jesus. God bless you as you go.